inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is At The Core on American Family Radio. Well, hello and good afternoon. I'm so glad to be with you. Alex McFarland here. I'm sitting in for Walker Wildman uh, on At The Core. So honored to be with you this afternoon. And it's a brand new week. And uh, isn't it good to be in the service of the King? I hope that you know the Lord. And I hope that you're, in spite of the news of the day, I hope you're rejoicing in the fact that we are secure in Christ, no matter what the world throws at us. But we've got some exciting things to talk about. Today, we are going to have a couple of guests, and uh, we might have time for some phone calls as well. If you want to call in, the number is 888-589-8840. Now, uh, we've got Dr. Syed Hayder, or Hyder, uh, and uh, that's going to be our guest to talk about prescription protocols, lab testing protocols, supplements, lifestyle interventions, things like that. And then later on, we're going to have Jameson Taylor on bills and their their statuses about child abuse and a lot of the issues that really are shaping our world today. And uh, these are important things to talk about. I, I just want to say that I'm very honored to be sitting in for Walker Wildman today. Very honored that uh, Walker would trust me with at the core, uh, Walker Wildman and Rick Green. Uh, if you recognize my voice, I'm not sure you do or don't, but if you recognize my voice, it's probably from a show called Exploring the Word that's heard 3 to 4 Central Time, 4 to 5 Eastern Time, Monday through Friday. Bert Harper and I teach through the Bible, and we are right now in Proverbs 23, if you want to tune in to Exploring the Word in uh well, two hours. Um, we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 23. But I want to pull out a couple of headlines that are going on. I want to mention something that's just amazing, really. Uh, I don't know if you saw the, the thing in the news about Governor DeSantis and Disney. Uh, one of the former heads of Disney was talking about the enforced wokeness. And, and if you've been following it at all, you know, in recent years, Disney has just promoted you know, everything that uh, not only Christians, but really constitutionalists would be against. Uh, they began many years ago, almost two decades ago, having Gay Day at Disney and then Pride Parades and things like that, and then uh, introducing more and more uh, ambiguous, uh, gender ambiguity, characters into their programming that were uh, gay, lesbian, transgender, alternative lifestyles. Now, so many companies have gotten on what we call the woke bandwagon. And there was a big article over the weekend, Go Woke and Go Broke, how companies, and, and this is a, a mystery really why when there is uh, really a, a net negative financially for the more woke a company is, really the more people push back against that. And yet, one of the biggest of all, because they have been such a juggernaut when it comes to entertainment, Disney has been so much a driver of the woke agenda. And one of their former presidents was on the news over the weekend talking with Governor DeSantis about this. Folks, now why does this matter? 
A lot of times, you know, skeptics will ask, why do Christians care what people do um, in their the privacy of their life? Well, let me say what people do in the privacy of their life is, you know, one thing, although people really, we believe, should not engage in destruct, you know, destructive behavior, behaviors that are destructive to the body, the mind, and the soul. But what's so dangerous for our nation these days is the deviancies and the things that are against morality. Uh, they're, they're, at this point, gravely jeopardizing the future of our country. I mean, over the weekend, there was another article I think is worth noting that says even Democrats are sick of the state of San Francisco. This is amazing. There's a headline that says, even the most progressive, liberal, Democrat, defund the police, BLM, lawless advocates are sick of San Francisco, Seattle, Washington, Detroit, Michigan, Minneapolis, Minnesota, New York City, Chicago, Illinois. Did you see the headline about how in O'Hare Airport, and my goodness, I've changed planes in O'Hare Airport I don't know how many hundreds of times, probably. And there's, there's a big homeless encampment there. And uh, one last thing about, and here's my question, why, why the inability to see reality on the part of the left? If you want to weigh in on that question, you can give us a call at 888-589-8840. But the mayor of Chicago... The mayor of Chicago says that people are against her progressive policies. Now, keep in mind, they've made the city less safe. They've cost money. Businesses are leaving. People that can afford to sell or abandon their homes are leaving Chicago. Many people, they're just financially stuck, and they can't leave, very sadly. But she says that people that are against the woke, progressive, destructive policies that, you know, have resulted at best a poor economy and at worst human waste littering the sidewalks. Why are people against progressive woke policies? She says because she is a, quote, strong black woman. You know, I I would submit it has nothing to do, has nothing to do with gender or ethnicity. It has to do with beliefs because beliefs birth behaviors, and bad beliefs birth bad behaviors. So we're in a battle of worldview. I mean, we really are. Now, here's my question, though. Why do you think the left really just doesn't see that, or maybe is unwilling to see it? I, I, it just, it's a, it's a puzzlement to me. How's that for a word? A puzzlement. Why the left, I mean, look, open borders makes the country less safe. Open borders really um, is an affront to those that have lawfully come into this country. Um, forcing people to give up their personal property for squatters, vagrants, homeless people. Uh, that's not just. It's unjust to make business owners give space to allow squatters to camp in front of their businesses. I mean, a public airport where people pay large sums of money to come fly on an airplane, shouldn't they be able to check in and go to their gate safely and not have to step over, uh, you know, people that are on drugs or passed out drunk? Uh, it, it's it's uh, 
Well, we have to have moral boundaries. That's what it is. If you want to call in and weigh in on some of these issues and how you believe we've let the loss of morality come to this point, the number is 888-589-8840 should you choose to call in. And uh, we would love to have your calls or questions. Now, uh, another article I thought was worth noting over the weekend, um, the passing it hasn't happened yet, although he is in hospice, of President Jimmy Carter. Um, I've got to say this. Now, he hasn't passed yet, uh, but he is, you know, in hospice care. Um, you know what? I remember I remember the Reagan-Carter debates of 1980, and even though they were political sparring partners, it was civil and respectful and, and actually watchable. Do you remember some of that stuff? Now, I want to say this. It's interesting how almost invariably when people cover Carter the man, there's got to be like a caveat about Carter the president. Have you noticed that? Because, you know, uh, okay, it wasn't a great time to be president, I'm sure. Uh, But whether it was the economy or energy or foreign policy or domestic policy, um, Carter the president, and I came from a pretty – a politically intense family, uh, bungled just about everything that that he had. I mean, 20 years ago, they wrote about the Carter presidency being a failed presidency. But I got to say, um, I respected him as a human being because, you know, he was a guy much like Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt, in his post-White House years, involved himself in so many Christian endeavors. He published a Christian newspaper, among other things. And Carter went from meeting with world leaders to teaching Sunday school. I've got to respect that. Hold that thought. Right now we're going to talk to Chris in Texas. Chris in Texas, welcome to At the Core. Thanks for holding, and uh, love to hear your thoughts. Why does the left not really see the reality and the, the destruction that their policies cause? Why do you think, Chris? Hey, Alex, thanks for taking my call. Uh, yeah, I, I think it really stems from the the humanist perspective and the fact that, um, you know, we're, everybody's okay, everybody's, you know, really good, um, just a good person, and, um, that you know, the humanist perspective has this idea of, of uh, progress, that we're just going to continue to get better, you know, as we get smarter, uh, you know, everything, all the new ideas is, is really what's going to uh, fix things and make the world better. And it, it's just a faulty perspective. We need to have an understanding of the fact that we're, uh, that we're born in a broken world, that there is original sin, that there, there should be a, uh, um, a divestment of power because at the core, you know, the, the, the heart is wicked above all things. And, and we need to, we need to have an understanding of without God, we're really not headed in a good direction. We're headed in a bad direction. Uh, right. And, and the, the idea of progress really is a myth in a way. I mean, you think about it. We started out in the Garden of Eden in a perfect environment, and we've been going downhill ever since. You know, I mean, d- Chris, don't you think that um, liberalism really misreads human nature? That, you know, Absolutely. we're basically 100%. good. And- yeah, I, I think that's exactly what it is. It, it's a it's a misunderstanding of our human nature. And I mean, when you see the you know power continue to be uh, gathered within the government, and people are more and more okay with it, 
I, I think it's because, um, you know, as, as much as I want to believe that the government's going to have everyone's best interests at heart, what we really <laughs> need to understand is that... Um, we can't count on that, can we? No, no, you can't. Especially uh, when when we're operating under the assumption that, um, you know, that from a humanist perspective, uh, yeah, exactly. it's an outright denial of our flawed humanity. And as soon as you deny God, you're trying to figure things out on your own, and it's never going to go right. It will never go right without God. Uh, it will. That's a great quote. It will never go right without God. Chris, thank you so much. Scott in Kansas. I want to get you in before the first break. Scott in Kansas, welcome to At the Core. Hi, Scott. I mean, hi, this is Scott, and uh, I appreciate the ability to call in. I, I, you know, I, I look at it like this: the folks on the left, they have these ideas, and and some of them are so crazy. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a comparison. Okay. Uh, take an engineer, for example. All right, in most states, you can't call yourself an engineer unless you have a degree in engineering. So they want to try these new ideas that really don't have any foundation. And so they're throwing out tried-and-true ideas and methods and and things that we've done for years and years and years, and, you know, like canceling police. And then they mm. wonder why everything goes crazy. If if you did the same thing in engineering, buildings would be falling down left and right. People would be dying yeah. all over the place. Yeah, I, you know, we should ask, Scott, you make a great point. The the same people that want to defund the police, should we throw out building codes? Because, you know, yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, you know, I, let, there, let's say there's the... Uh, you know, the, the lift capability, steel can support a floor and this many people can be in it. Um, you know, there have been tragedies when people would do some homemade deck and it falls and people get impaled on splintered two-by-fours. Hey, if if we should have building codes, we should have law enforcement. Folks, this is At The Core. Scott, great call. Uh, at The Core, Alex McFarland sitting in for Walker Wallman and Rick Green. So honored you're with us. We've got a great show. We're going to talk to some wonderful, insightful people about prescriptions, COVID, the CDC, things going on in our world. The number is 888-589-8840. Alex McFarland on the American Family Radio Network. Stay with us. At the Core is back after this. I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. In Paul's first letter to Timothy, he expressed his awe, wonder, and amazement at the inexhaustible grace and mercy of God, in that he saw fit not only to regenerate Paul, but to also find him worthy for appointment to gospel ministry. Paul knows his history as a blasphemer and a terrorist who sought to destroy the way of Christ following. He stands as a witness to the fact that no one, and I mean no one, is beyond the grace of God. Keep praying for your unsaved loved ones. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association.
This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. We're a few weeks into Lent now, and how's it going? Much like New Year's resolutions are your family's Lenten sacrificial promises of extra prayer, fasting, and almsgiving starting to fall to the wayside? While making a sacrifice is a meaningful way to reflect on the atonement, what we give up isn't meant to sanctify us. It's how we use our sacrifice to honor God. Claim that new time for scripture journaling or a prayer walk with your daughter. You'll soon see that it's how we use our sacrifice to glorify Him that makes all the difference. Romans 12, 1 guides us to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is our true and proper worship. With this mindset, we can live in a state of holy sacrifice every single day. We are all called to raise up the next generation of Christian leaders. Learn more about empowering girls at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality is changing hearts and lives. It speaks directly to the power and the grace of God. It gives me hope for people that I know that are struggling. The whole idea of In His Image has moved me. We actually had one gentleman contact us, and he said that this film changed his mind about this issue. We had a pastor reach out to us, and he said that he'd been struggling with hatred in his heart towards people in the LGBTQ community, and this film helped him to realize he needed to have compassion and show people the love of Christ. We also had this same-sex attracted couple contact us, and they said after seeing the film, they wanted to live obedient lives for Christ no matter what, and they said, please. Please pray for us. We know this is going to be hard. We've even had people come to faith in Jesus through In His Image. To find out more, visit InHisImage.movie. At The Core podcasts are available at AFR.net. Now, back to At The Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back. Alex McFarland here sitting in for Walker Wallman. Very honored to be doing that. And um, certainly one of the biggest news uh, stories of our lifetime. And really, um, I would suspect with all the implications, one of the biggest stories really in uh, Western history would be COVID and just the the big um, changes that have come about on the world stage due to COVID, uh, really the, the medical world and uh, the politicizing of medicine and even to a degree science. And to talk about these and some other things, we have with us now Dr. Syed Haider, and uh, his website is mygotodoc.com, M-Y-G-O-T-O-D-O-C. Dr. Haider, I want to say thanks for being with us, and uh, thanks for the uh, topics that you're willing to speak with us about today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Alex. Looking forward to it. Yes. Um, uh, before we get into some, some topics at hand, give us a little bit about your background and your, your work in medicine. Sure. So I've been an internal medicine hospital-trained doctor for over 10 years now. And until the pandemic, I was working off and on in hospitals for about 10 years. And since then, I, I tried to go to New York at the very beginning, and they had too many doctors at that point. And so I ended up starting tel- a telemedicine practice. And I treated, at this point, I treated over 8,000 patients for acute COVID and didn't lose anyone. Everyone did fine. Everyone made it out. We only had about five hospitalizations out of the whole 8,000. 
Um, mm. And then more recently, I've been seeing a lot of vaccine-injured patients and a lot of long COVID patients. So I know that, you know, some people think that COVID doesn't exist. Some people think, you know, the vaccines are totally safe. Other people think think everything is, you know, due to the vaccines and other people think everything is due to COVID. I think there's a mixture here. Uh, people were certainly harmed by whatever it was, COVID, whether you want to believe in a virus or not, something was harming people in a way that was different than they had been harmed before. Um, and so there's a lot of theories around what that was. Maybe it was, you know, I think one of the, the latest theories is that they had what you might call clones of the virus that were released, you know, at different points in time. So, you know, some people think an RNA virus can't necessarily uh, create a pandemic on its own. So, but I do think in the very beginning, there was something released on New York and, and in certainly these other places where I know people myself who were on the ground in the ICUs and people were dying left and right. There was something seriously wrong with them. Um, and, and it's possible that after that, it was kind of this scamdemic, you know, case-demic where you had a bunch of, you know, fake cases and a bunch of people getting sick with, like, a normal flu or whatever, mm-hmm. and it was being, you know, called COVID when it was just, like, a high cycle count. So I think there's a big mess of stuff that's happened in the last few years, but there are people now who are chronically sick and they fall into a certain bucket kind of of this post-infectious or possibly ongoing infection. And it's an inflammatory syndrome. Some people probably have persistence of the virus. Some people have the virus plus the shot. Some people just have the shot. There's a lot of spike protein damage that's happened. So at this point, we're less kind of mopping up this terrible thing that's happened to a lot of people. And so I get people every day, you know, day in, day out, who have sometimes horrible symptoms that are, you know, they were perfectly fine. A lot of my patients were firing on all cylinders. They were at the top of their field. They were like CEOs, high-performing lawyers, you know, sharp, mentally, you know, very successful in their business, personal life, top athletes, you know, and they become disabled. Right. Yeah. And it's just utterly bizarre. Right. It's just out of nowhere. No one can understand what's wrong with them. I've got to ask you this. I mean, there have been a lot of news coming out recently about the the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Um, What's your take on all of this? And and I mean, I'm not a medical person, although my wife is a nurse. It just there there seems to be uh, a lot of malice and intentional um, you know, maliciousness afoot here. G- give us your take based on the what you know at this point on the yeah. the origin of it, the the Wuhan Institute uh, work in that. What what do you say, Doctor Hyder? Yeah, so I think we've been under this kind of false dichotomy, and it was put in place on purpose. Either it was a natural virus or it was a lab leak, right? Those aren't the two, the only two options, right? So. I think certainly it was created in a lab, but it appears that it's more likely it was released, not leaked, right? Purposely? Right. So so it seems like it was probably purposeful and it was probably seeded around the world. The other issue, the other possibility is it did leak, but then they took advantage of it, right? And then they turned it into something that it wasn't, right? So... I think what's actually going on in the modern world is that we've reached the end of kind of this cycle, this economic cycle. And things were starting to, the wheels were starting to fall off in late 2019. Um, and they saw the writing on the wall 
and they had to generate an emergency, right, in order to be able to print a lot of money. Um, and also, to avoid inflation, they had to create lockdowns. So there weren't people going out and buying things. They had to destroy the economy to try to hold back inflation while they printed trillions of dollars, okay? Mm-hmm. So really, any emergency would have been fine. This one might have been like a, a handy one that kind of like started around the time that they needed one, and they just decided to run with it. But I think people, it, it takes a little bit of economic kind of understanding to really see what's going on here. But, you know, the amount of inflation that's happened since 2020, we've printed like 80, 90% of all the dollars in existence in just the last three years. Yeah, it's um, crazy. This is completely unsustainable. So the lockdowns, what they were really meant to do was to, was to destroy small, medium-sized businesses, but also so people aren't out there spending the money, right? So they're not bidding up prices. Now the lockdowns are over and we have inflation rearing its ugly head. And if they can't get it under control, they will institute lockdowns again, like the 15 minute cities, the whole like climate lockdown, some sort of lockdown will be instituted because that is the best way to destroy demand in an economy. Mm. So if you want to like really kill inflation, you have to destroy jobs and you have to destroy demand. So mm. I think it, there's more of an economic issue going on that people don't understand and it goes back, it goes back 270 years, okay? The church, a lot of people don't know this, did not allow interest until the, the mid-1700s, okay? Right, right. And that's when it was all viewed these big you, banking families started to take off. Yeah, it, it was viewed that usury was immoral and was exploiting yeah. people. So, so let me ask you this. And by the way, this is a fascinating conversation. If you're just tuning in, we're talking with Dr. Syed Haider. Um, but who is the they? I mean, I, I have my suspicions, but when you say they wanted to uh, create... Yeah, I think that, yeah, absolutely. I think this is a good question. And, you know, you, people now, there's these fall guys, right? They're set up like Dr. Fauci, people blame the CDC, they blame the FDA, right? None of these people were really in charge, all right? So, right. so you go up one level above them, the, the level above them was the Department of Defense, okay? The Department of Defense, we now know, was in charge of all of this. And it was all kind of like this theater of, oh, we're going to, like, you know, run some trials and we're going to go through the FDA and everything. None of that really had to happen. So they had a legal framework in place over the last, you know, few years that was put into place, right? The PrEP Act and other things that allowed the DOD to kind of, like, just do whatever they wanted with the American public. So they, I think, were looking at this as a military operation, and we were going to roll out these shots whether we liked it or not, right? But they wanted to make it appear that they were following the rules and doing a study and, you know, going through the FDA and all of this stuff. That was all window dressing, all right? It was the Department of Defense. But they're not in charge of the whole world, right? Like the DOD, right. you go up one level above them. And I think really the people who are really in charge for the last 270 years are the bankers, all right? The people who we owe the debt to. It's the banking class that's in charge. The banking families have been around for hundreds of years, and they are really in the shadows, okay? I mean, a lot of people, you can go down the rabbit hole, you can learn who these people are, their names, um, but they're very, very concealed, okay? They're not your typical run-of-the-mill neighborhood billionaire, all right? Um, right. The billionaires are like nothing compared to these people. These people, oh, wow. you don't know how much money they have. You can't track it down. They're, they're behind all sorts of, like, you know, thousands of different little corporate structures to hide it. So the people really in charge, they don't want you to know who they are, right? And now, are, are they, would, really, would you say economically, are, are they even above Gates and Zuckerberg? And 
Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. These people are like nothing, right? And it's not okay. all about money. I'm not, I'm not saying that they're like the, we have these shadowy trillionaires, you know, in charge of everything. Um, but they're, they're, they have the power, right? So you see like what happens to some, like the, the Saudi billionaires, you know, being a billionaire doesn't really mean much in terms of power. Like real power is coming through government, right? So China, you know, it took billionaires and it threw them in jail and it like, you know, like being a billionaire doesn't give you power, right? So if you're in charge of a government, right, then you have power. And if you're in charge of the banking system, you have power over government. So the bankers have been in control of governments for hundreds of years, right? And this is all covered up. And so usury is what allowed this to happen, okay? And that's why the church, that's why, you know, Jesus Christ threw the moneylenders out of the temple. That's why the church, you know, the Bible itself is very against interest. It was long known to be something that destroys civilizations, and it is destroying our civilization. It shortens, it changes people's time preference. So they become short-term thinkers, and it leads to inflation. Money has to become inflammatory because interest rises exponentially. You can't pay it back without printing money. So then you have inflation in the economy, and, and we kind of held it back in the last, you know, there was an industrial revolution, there was technology revolution. All of this stuff had deflationary effects, and it helped us kind of push it back. Uh, but now we've reached the end of the line, okay? So our economy, our society is about to come crashing down, right? And they're trying to extend its life as long as possible by creating these, you know, the wars, these emergencies, whatever it takes, right? It's been going on for decades now. They've been extending the lifespan. This all leads into our health also, okay? Yes, um, absolutely. So I published some work on this, and, you know, when your money is rapidly losing value, you can't really think about the future. You can't think about, okay, eating right and all this stuff. It's harder and harder to do because you're so focused on the present and struggling to stay ahead, right? Like it used to take one, one person to sustain a household, one person working. Now it takes two or three people, right? And then people oftentimes take out loans and they, they get into the whole, you know, debt kind of cycle trying to stay ahead and inflation as it worsens and worsens, you're like, well, I just got to catch up. I just need to take out a bit of a loan to maintain my lifestyle. And eventually mm-hmm. you fall behind. And it, and it also, people, it, this is the cause of the, you know, the money getting concentrated at the top. It's usury. That, that's the function that it has is to extract money from 99% of the society and concentrate it at the very, very top in the fewest hands. When you continue the cycle for hundreds of years, every, like, if you don't, if you, if a hundred people take out a loan, there's going to be some percentage they're going to, you know, you know, not be able to pay it back and they're going to lose right, right. their collateral, whatever, right? And then so, so let me ask you this, do, forgive me for interrupting, Dr. Heider. What advice do you give? I know we have a lot of people listening that are, you know, good, hardworking Christians, a lot, a lot of middle class families. What advice do you give for the, the times ahead, whether there's an economic crash, uh, in the short term, or maybe it's by some miracle of God several years down the road, what advice would you give? Yeah, I think that it's important to probably save in a hard currency like gold, um, at least some amount of gold, because when this happens, gold will just skyrocket. You know, it's the only real money that's been around for thousands of years. Everyone knows it has a value. Why do the central banks buy it? And they're buying it in greater quantities than ever before. Uh, they buy it because it's it's real money, right? Um, it's going to go up and down, so you've got to be able to, like, deal with that. 
but long term, you really got to have some savings in gold, and then you got to you got to do things to psychologically try to reverse this short term thinking that is created by all the inflation that's happening around you. Um, that's difficult to do. It takes some you know some effort, right? And the, really, the way to do it is to try to change your internal like understanding of how expensive something is. So like. You know, and, and the reason money, the inflation of money creates this short-term thinking is that money is our way of valuing everything, including our own time, right? And so when things are inflating, deflating, and you're not really, you can't really keep track internally with like your internal brain software of value, right? Tracking value. Um, and so things that should be worthwhile, like, you know, not eating another plate of lasagna or not eating, you know, junk food or exercise, De- right? Deferred gratification. Exercise. Yeah, yeah. So exercise seems very expensive to us, right? Because we can't think far term enough, right? And the religious mindset is really the longest term mindset because you're planning for eternity. You're not even planning for your own life or your kids' lives. You know, you're planning as long term as possible, right? And so just the religious mindset itself helps you. Um, but, you know, just building habits that help you to think long term, I think, is the, the real solution here. And then trying to save in a currency that is a real currency um, that will get you ahead, you know, hopefully in the future. And then, you know, really the, the greatest wealth is your health. Okay. Amen. So, um, and, and I think ways, there are ways where you can kind of, you have to try to convince yourself, you have to educate yourself of the true consequences of not taking care of your health. All right. Mm. You've got to keep it ever present in your mind. You have to constantly, constantly be reminding yourself, right? So that makes, doing unhealthy things seem more expensive to you inside your inside your head. Hey, right? let me ask you this. And, uh, this this yeah. is going to seem a little off topic. Uh, how important is getting enough rest and how much is enough sleep every night? Yeah, I mean, it varies by person, right? So it depends on how much you eat and how much stress you're under. So really, you need to sleep enough that you feel energized when you wake up in the morning, right? So, you know, I, I think that's the main thing. For some people, it's going to be six hours. For some people, it's going to be nine hours or ten hours, right? And when you're sicker, under more stress, it's going to be longer. Uh, sleep is extremely important. It's one of the most important things for healing. And, you know, sunlight is oftentimes discounted. It's also extremely important, and it helps you sleep. You know, you got to get sun before 10 a.m., to help set your body clock. Hey, and then you have to forgive me. You, you, we've got a break. You've given us so much to think about, Dr. Syed Hyder, mygotodoc.com. I urge you to check him out. Hey, let's visit again when we have more time. May we do that? God Absolutely. bless you. <laughs> mygotodoc.com. Alex McFarlane here. Stay tuned. At the Core is back after this. Hello, I'm Sam Rohr, president of the American Pastors Network, a growing national network of pastors committed to the authority of Scripture and preaching the whole counsel of God. We believe biblical obedience is the foundation for revival and impacting our culture for Christ is our duty. For too long, the pulpits of America have been silent on the important issues such as marriage and family and assault on our liberty. Join us in the battle for truth on Stand in the Gap weekend, Sunday evenings at 6 p.m. on American Family Radio, and visit us at AmericanPastorsNetwork.org. 
Network. Friendships is offering an exciting opportunity for young adults who want to grow in their walk with God, become physically fit, and learn relief ministry while serving in the Middle East. This is an amazing opportunity to serve God and experience Israel. Check out Seahawks one-year scholarship program at friendships.org or call 337-433-5022. That's 337-433-5022. The next session begins August 19th. What could healthcare sharing mean to you? Well, if you're like a lot of people who switch to MediShare, honestly, it's a huge relief. Like for the parents of an eight-year-old girl fighting cancer, it's confidence they have in having a community praying for them and paying their medical bills so they can focus on just being there and loving their daughter. Or for a young couple getting ready to welcome their first child into the world, it's being able to be in the moment, getting to enjoy this great gift from God without worrying about medical bills. And it's a relief these days to know you can actually save some money on something. The typical family saves $500 a month by switching to MediShare. And it's a ministry. When you call them, you talk to actual humans who want to help you. So that's a relief too. MediShare has been around 30 years. It's affordable, reliable health care. It's a great time to switch to. Call now. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. The following is not an actor, but a real-life story from Trinity Debt Management. I'm Corey, and this is my story. I was going through some financial troubles paying off my credit cards. I was paying high interest rates, and it just wasn't getting any better. And I knew I had to do something. So my mom told me about Trinity, and so I decided to call. Trinity was able to do something that I couldn't. I'm paying off my debt. I'm saving thousands, and things are really looking up. I promise you guys, you will not regret it when you call Trinity because it was such a relief and less stress in my life and it was the best thing I could have done for myself because once I called Trinity, they took care of me and I felt such a relief, a weight off my shoulders and they are a Christian-based company. I love it. (laughs) If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I'm Corey and I'm debt-free for keeps. 1-800-788-1813. This is At The Core on American Family Radio with your host, Walker Wildman. Alex McFarland here. Very, very honored to be sitting in for Walker Wildman and uh, Rick Green at The Core. We're going to bring up Jamison Taylor in just a moment. But, you know, we're talking about all these issues in the battle of worldviews. I've got seven summer camps coming up this summer uh, from really June to August. If you go to my website for my camps that I do, and people ask me over the weekend, I was on the road, and they were like, what do you do with your biblical worldview camp? I said, we are trying to woke-proof America's teens. I mean, that should tell everything. Uh, but the website for my camps is equipretreat.org. Equipretreat.org. It's for middle school and high schoolers. And, uh, folks, uh, we're in a battle of worldviews, but it's a battle that God wants every Christian and every patriot to participate in. And, uh, somebody who's just so informative and I believe helping a lot of people, uh, find truth and uh, sift through the noise of the day is Jamison Taylor. He is a Director of Research and Govern- Government Affairs for the American Family Association. And just over the break, we were talking about um, you recently were in Washington at the Capitol, and I know you travel, you research, you communicate, but Jamison, thanks for being with us on At the Core today. Thanks for having me on the show today, Alex. 
Um, hey, you know, I know we've got some folks on hold, and we're going to um, buzz from Oklahoma, Ron from Louisiana. We are going to get to some calls. The number is 888-589-8840. But uh, Jameson, uh, do two things for me, if you will. I know that you've got some info on some bills in Mississippi that are of note. But um, give people just a little um, thumbnail sketch of what all you do for the ministry. So I help direct uh, AFA Action's Government Affairs Office. Uh, We, in addition to obviously AFA, is a great source of information for people around the country and a great source of inspiration for people around the country. What we do is take some of that information and some of that inspiration and we distill it into what you call public policy. We use that energy to uh, work on getting good pieces of legislation passed around the country uh, working in Mississippi, working in other states like Louisiana and, and Oklahoma, you know, that she just mentioned a second ago, uh, working uh, to pass pro-life tax credits. That's been a, a big project of ours this year, uh, basically making sure that we can get resources to pregnancy resource centers and adoption agencies and other groups that are on the front lines of helping to defend life. Another thing that we're doing is continuing AFA's legacy of combating pornography and obscenity around the country. That's something that I've been very uh, busy with over the last Mm. few months. Um, And, you know, again, mentioning Louisiana and Oklahoma, those two states have been leaders on this issue. Louisiana, at the beginning of this year, uh, Louisiana law went into effect that requires age verification for adult websites, which with the idea that uh, maybe we should verify that you're an adult before we let you visit an adult website. And so Louisiana mm. took the very common sense step of requiring basically uh, a form of ID before someone can visit an adult website. Oklahoma has also passed a great bill. Their bill has to do with library databases. Now, many parents don't realize this, but library databases that are available in virtually every school library in the country and every public library in the country, these databases are targeted at kids. You know, they're supposed to be kid-friendly. They're available in public schools, but the Mm -hmm. content in these databases is not kid-friendly. It is obscene, it is pornographic, and it's very inappropriate. So Oklahoma was one of the first states to take the step to hold these corporations that sell these databases to states, to hold these corporations accountable. I look forward to telling your listeners a little bit more about that issue. I'm working on both of these bills in Mississippi, but this is not just about Mississippi, as you can tell. These are ideas that you need to bring to your state, and that's why AFA Action exists. We help Mm. give you the resources you need so that you can combat obscenity in your state, so that you can provide more resources for pro-lifers in your state, and so that you can do other things on the front lines of the culture war in your state. Amen. Uh, well said, Jameson. Hey, I, I want to um, take a couple of calls, and I, I know we've got other things to get to, Jameson. But um, Buzz from Oklahoma, you've been on hold for a while. And Buzz, um, I, I trust you've probably been hearing the feed of the show while you've graciously been on hold, sir, correct? Yes, I have. Yes. Uh, give us your take. You know, we were talking about um, the, the left and their worldview. What's your, what's your thought on this, Buzz? Well, first of all, I am a therapist. Uh, I'm a I'm a marriage and family therapist, and so I don't only I not only do I look at individuals, but I also look at uh, families and couples and things like that. 
one thing I know is true, like the uh, scripture says, uh, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. You know, things happen little by little. You know, you allow this one little thing, and then, uh, you know, a little bit more, a little bit more. Uh, maybe something maybe a little more familiar to some people is the idea of if you drop a frog into boiling water, he'll mm-hmm. jump right out. Uh, but if you put a frog in a, um, you know, in, in a big pot of cold water and then heat it up, uh, that frog will allow himself to get boiled. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of things that the left does, they do things little and gradually. Uh, so people will say, well, you know, I know that's unbiblical, but uh, I don't know. I'll, uh, I'll let that pass. But after a while uh, of swallowing things, after a while, you end up swallowing something really big, and you ruin your own life, and you uh, you well, yeah, it's your like own the, sense of morals. Buzz, great, great point. Thank you for that, um, Jameson. It's this this cumulative effect of bad decisions. Uh, let me ask you this: um, I, I know because I, I teach on the Constitution. Uh, we're, we've deviated in so many ways from the natural rights and the moral absolutes presupposed by the Constitution. Have we, have we got such a cumulative aggregation of bad policies and bad decisions? Are we past a tipping point, Jameson, in your opinion? I don't think we're past a tipping point. You know, there's a couple of things that give me hope. Um, one, is, one is a bill that I'm working on here in Mississippi that's been sponsored by Speaker Philip Gunn. What this bill does is it allows kids in public school to be released from school for an hour a week, maybe, mm-hmm. go to a church off-site and participate in a Bible study. Now, you mentioned the Constitution. This is 100% constitutional. This has been upheld by the Supreme Court. You know, we, we talk a lot about, well, things start to go downhill in our public schools, when kids stop praying in school. And there's certainly a lot to be said for that. But this is a way to expose kids in public school to the gospel. You know, there's all types of things, all types of currents in our public school right now. I've mentioned problems of obscenity, you have problems with CRT and Marxism and all kinds of crazy things that are being taught in public schools. But this is an opportunity for churches and nonprofits to step up and expose public school kids to the gospel. Again, this is a, this is a bill that's in uh, Mississippi that Speaker Philip Gunn has sponsored. Uh, it has to pass committee. It's by tomorrow. It's in the Senate Education mm. Committee, which is chaired by Dennis DeBar. It has to pass the Senate Education Committee by tomorrow to stay alive. But this is a great idea, and you have several states, <clears throat> pardon me, several states around the country that are already doing this. Uh, Ohio, Indiana, Kentucky, they've been doing this for years. And this is a great opportunity for other states to start to pursue the same framework so that kids in public schools can be exposed to the gospel. So I think as long as we are fighting, as long as we are being creative in the things that we are doing and taking advantage of the opportunities that we have, that's what a lot of this is about, showing up and taking advantage of these opportunities. If we can do that, then we can still win, and we can certainly create hope and future opportunities for the next generation. 
And, and you know, Jameson, you and I haven't talked about this, but um, uh, I've been for a couple of years now helping organize campus clubs. We call it Viral Truth Clubs. And not only do we teach kids about the gospel and the biblical worldview, we teach about civics and leadership and being a, a, a patriotic student. And you know, the, the great thing about it is this message of God and country, kids seem to eat it up just very eagerly. Um, I want to go to Ron in Louisiana. Uh, Ron, time fleets away, but you've been on hold. I wanted to give you an opportunity to share your thought there. Yes. Uh, basically, it's it's all boiling down to the book of Revelation, what's going to happen there. Uh, mm-hmm. The left has abandoned what is true, and they, they don't want to hear what is true. But uh, we all know that what Simon Peter preached in Acts 2.38 and 39 is what we should uh, all obey, because uh, that was the original doctrine. Uh, And I thank God for the precious gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Being buried in the precious name of Jesus. And I thank Uh, you for your time. God bless you. Well, yes, you know, uh, Jameson... Uh, here, here's the thing. The Bible does say that evil men will wax worse and worse. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I think what's interesting about the times in which we live, Jameson, is that we've got the world is so wired up. And just from making a cell phone call to ordering a pair of sneakers online, we're all leaving digital footprints. And, and there is this global, worldwide, now enforced abolition of moral boundaries with the just the imposition of the LGBTQ trans uh, movements and the human rights campaign. I mean, Jameson, uh, we are only the Lord knows the duration of world history. But really, the chess pieces do seem to be on the table, don't they? That the scenarios of the end times could could play out in our lifetimes, couldn't they? I mean, I think they could, but this is something that Christians have been struggling with since even the fairly early history of the Church. You know, when when is the Lord coming back, and then, you know, how do I respond to that? How do I respond to the situation that I'm in? The only thing that I know is that God has created me for this time, and everyone who's listening today, God has created you for this time, and you have an opportunity to further the Gospel in your own sphere of influence where you are. You know, beginning, uh, if, if you're concerned about political currents, a lot of Christians don't even vote. That's why at AFA Action, we have iVoter Guide to help people make an informed vote. Praise uh, and, God. And we need volunteers for that. We need people to get involved in that. But also at AFA Action, we have bills that we need people to call their lawmakers about. You know, in this case, we have uh, three good bills in Mississippi and two bad bills that, that I'm working on. Call, call the lieutenant governor of Mississippi, if you happen to be a Mississippi listener, uh, and tell him to pass these bills related to cleaning up obscenity in libraries. Tell him to pass bills that will expose kids in public school to the gospel. Uh, tell him to pass bills that will require age verification for adult websites. So, I mean, there's, there's plenty of ways to still get involved, and you kind of just leave it to the Lord as to what the result of that will be, what the fruits of that will be. 
Mm-hmm. Um, what do you say to people in other states? And, and thank God for the good legislation that is coming down the pipeline in Mississippi. And I know, Jamison Taylor, you're a part of that. Uh, and by the way, before we run out of time, what's a website you could direct people to that people um, can f- uh, follow your work, Jamison? Yeah, you can learn more about these bills and other bills that we're working on around the country at afaaction.net. Again, that's afaaction.net. Yes. Um, got any advice for people? Uh, you know, one of the big issues I hear from parents about are public libraries and just uh, grossly inappropriate materials that are getting put into public libraries and being put on display. Um, and then there's, you know, the curriculum in, in schools. What advice do you have for people outside of Mississippi? I think to begin with, you have to get involved in school board races. You have to get involved in what's going on in your library. What the left has done very well is they have embedded themselves in these positions around the country on library boards. They're helping pick books on school boards. They're helping to to determine curricula. And so we likewise have to do the same thing. We have to get involved and make our voice heard. A lot of that is just showing up. And, you know, a lot of what I do is just showing up and being a Christian voice in a meeting, a committee hearing, on the radio, whatever it may be, God will open the doors. If you make yourself available, God will open the doors. And it really often takes just a very small group of people to get something done. You know, I was a big part of the effort here in Mississippi that led to the legislation that overturned Roe v. Wade. That was a very small group that actually got that done at the end of the day. But if you show up, God will, you know, provide the the loaves and fishes. You bring (laughs) your loaves and fishes, God will take that and he will multiply that effort. But, you know, it requires showing up. It does. It does. And uh, uh, what was the very first step that got you into civil government? Oh, well, um, I think the pro-life issues certainly, you know, have, have been in my lifetime the most urgent issues that we have had to deal with as a country. Uh, but, you know, as God has, has blessed some of those efforts, I've pivoted now to these obscenity issues, these library issues, because the left has figured out that they can control kids' minds by getting control of its content in libraries right. and in schools. And Christians need to push back against that. Sure. Uh, the website again, afaaction.net. afaaction.net. Well, thank you, Jamison Taylor of the American Family Association, and thank you for listening, folks. Alex McFarlane here. I want to thank Walker Wildman for allowing me to sit in on At the Core. It's been a great honor. Thank you all for listening. I'll be back in an hour with Exploring the Word. Keep your radio tuned to the American Family Radio Network. May God bless you, and may God bless America. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio. Faith. Family. Freedom. American Family Radio. Life is precious, and a child is truly a gift from God. Even inside the womb, the baby is living with a heartbeat that grows stronger every day. But abortion stops that beating heart. Protecting the life of the unborn is more than just a noble cause. It's our duty and our privilege. Thank you for continuing to fight for the sanctity of life and stay encouraged 